about a year ago, I had a dream, and uh, in this dream, I was told by God, the interpretation of the dream was that I was supposed to teach on money, and uh, we talked about in the eldership, we talked about having a financial conference, and uh, just the things, just, it didn't work out to do that, and, uh, but anyway, last fall, I went to a minister's conference in Colorado with Andrew Womack's school, and he talked some on money, about harvesting and reaping and things like that, I was really challenged by that, and I came back, and I shared about money that first Sunday back, and you guys, some of you guys might remember that. But um, then the next uh, week, I went on to another topic, and I had a couple people say, I thought you were going to talk about money again. And, uh, well, I, I, I was planning on doing the conference, and the conferencing wasn't happening, and so in my mind, I was just going to save some of that teaching for the conference. But we don't know when the conference is going to happen, so right now, we're going to call September month Harvest Month, and I'm going to teach on money for the whole month. And it may go longer than that, I don't know, um, but that's the plan right now is to go for this month on different aspects of money, different things about money, even in investing to savings, to uh, how to fix your credit score, and just different things that are practical and important uh, to do with money. Now, I'm going to share with you part of the dream. I'll pick it up around in the middle in, uh, in case you don't remember this dream, but it says, all of a sudden, an old GMC SUV like the old Jimmys. Do you guys remember those old Jimmys? And uh, came flying down this hill. I heard someone say, he's probably going over 150 miles an hour. Now, you know that's impossible, but it's a dream, right? In a dream, everything's possible. An old Jimmy couldn't go 150 miles an hour or more, but anyway, um, he's probably prophetic in that, even in that number. He hit a, this guy in the, in the G, Jimmy, hit a chain link fence, and he broke it and kept driving into the water. Even when he got to the water, he kept driving until the water was completely over the vehicle. He was trying to kill himself. I sensed that he was scared and depressed over financial lack. I was watching this happen through a window, wondering if there was some, anything I could do to save him. I could tell it was a man and that he had a beard, but I, wasn't, I didn't know who it was. I didn't recognize him. This is the interpretation I received from this. Um, Actually, before I share that interpretation, does anyone here feel like they have an interpretation uh, for that dream I had about a year ago? So guys driving in a, a Jimmy-like truck, drove through a fence, said he was going about 150 miles an hour, um, through the fence, into the water, kept driving, even when he got to the water, trying to kill himself. Is there anything you feel like that might add to that story, that dream? If you don't, that's okay, but the last few times I've done that, I was really impressed with how many people had different pieces of the puzzle that really fit with that dream. Anybody? All right, time's up. Uh, so uh, here's what I felt like God said to me about it. He said, Ryan, about the guy in the truck, many people are struggling financially, some because they don't make enough and some because they have overspent and have overcommitted themselves. I want to help these people. There is hope for them. There is help for them. It doesn't have to end in death. You guys know God does financial miracles? Think about that guy that was chopping wood that day, and the, he had borrowed that axe, and the axe head fell off into the river. And next thing you know, he prays, and the, the axe head started floating. That's a financial miracle. That guy would have had to come up with money or something to build this, get this guy back an axe, and God canceled his debt, didn't he? We'll save those other ones for another Sunday, but God wants to do financial miracles in our lives. So I asked, I asked God, what do you want us to do about this, God? And I felt like God said, I want you to offer financial planning, financial assistance, training to those who are in need, to help those who need their credit repaired, to encourage those who need further education. I care about the whole man. I care about every part of a person's life. Money is not a topic that needs to be avoided in church, but it needs to be covered and taught to people, especially young people. So for the month of September, we're going to cover a bunch of different aspects of money. I may even get someone to come in and share a few things if I can uh, that will help. If not, I'll, I'll cover it. But um, 
God talks a lot about money in the Bible. Do you know that? And Jesus talked a lot about money. 16 of the 38 parables addressed how to handle money. In the Gospels alone, an amazing one out of every 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, and more than 2,000 verses, verses on money and possessions. So guys, if this is important to God, then it's important for us to talk about. Amen? How many families are destroyed because of money issues? And uh, how many marriages are divorced and break up over money issues? She spent too much. He spent too much. Uh, all these kind of things. And they fight. And um, There's a way that we can walk with God and walk in the blessings of God and not have to uh, fight and argue and, and, and not lack. Amen? So I want to start out with showing you how I believe the Word of God shows us that God wants to bless you financially. I do, okay? It's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. I also believe He wants to bless you in every area of your life. In your marriage, in your home, with your emotions, with uh, relatives, with relationships, with everything. But we're going to look at money for today. Proverbs uh, 10.22. We have that one on the screen. Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord. Do you think Abraham had the blessing of the Lord? I think he did. Uh, and he prospered, didn't he? Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So we see there, he wants us to prosper. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God delights in prospering you. Amen? Now, don't you delight in prospering your children? I, when you can bless them and lavish stuff on them and give them stuff and not have to be stingy and hold back because you're afraid of lack. God's not afraid of lack. Amen? And he wants to lavishly pour out his blessings on us. So then if you read Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going to read all this, but 14 verses in Deuteronomy 28 talk about the blessing of the Lord and what the blessing does in your life. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb is blessed. Crops, animals, baskets, and kneading troughs. Blessed when you come in. Blessed when you go out. That's, that's business. Okay? Enemies defeated. Come in one direction, flee in seven. Everything you put your hands to will be blessed. Guys, this is, this is in the Bible. Okay? Your land's blessed. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Okay? I like that. Everyone, now, I'm, I'm going to balance this out some, just so you know, but I want to show you God's will here. Uh, but God wants to bless you with abundant prosperity. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to bless all the works of your hands. All right? Um, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Amen? It's no fun to be at the bottom. Amen? Okay, so you can see that God wants to bless us financially, but also in every other way. Those blessings didn't just talk about finances, talked about with children, and talked about in, uh, just in business, and, and a bunch of different things. But just because something is the will of God doesn't mean it is going to happen no matter what we do and no matter how we live. It's not a sovereign word that's released that no matter what happens, this is going to happen in your life. That's not how it works. That's not how the kingdom works. That's not how 
healing works. That's not how anything that God does works. Now, there's end times prophecies that's going to happen, no matter what we do, believe, think, or, or say. But as far as God's principles, he has laws of prosperity in place, and we cooperate with them. We get to walk in that blessing. When we don't, we miss out on some things. Okay? Uh, the first verse, the blessing of the Lord had something to do with our prosperity, didn't it? The second verse we looked at, our soul prosperity had something to do with our prosperity. So your emotional health has something to do with your prosperity. You know, some people won't take a raise. Some people won't take a promotion. They don't feel worthy or qualified or whatever. That's lack of soul prosperity. They never feel like they're good enough or measured up. That's lack of soul prosperity. And uh, the third one, our confession has something to do with it. Didn't it? Who says constantly, says consistently with their mouth. All right? Our confession has something to do with it. In Deuteronomy 28, our obedience had something to do with our prosperity. Didn't it? All right, so there's a lot of factors involved in our prosperity, and, and, and there's a lot of other factors still. I'll share some with you. Proverbs 6, 9. How long will you slumber, O Jordan? I mean, O Slug. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> o Sluggard. No, I'll cancel that off you. Uh, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Uh, so shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. So if you're lazy, if you're sleeping all the time, you're not working, you're not going to prosper. Is it God's will for you to prosper? Yes, it is. But you have to cooperate with that. You still have to put some work in. And, uh, I'm sorry, Jordan. Second uh, Thessalonians 3.10, uh, it says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you with this, If anyone will not work, neither shall they eat. Okay? Uh, this kind of goes against some of the government standards of things. And I know there's some, some things where people cannot work, and that's why we need to work and help them. But if you can work, we need to work, right? And we need to work hard. And, we need to, and it's part of our prosperity is in our work and what we do. He's going to bless the fruit of your hands, okay? We can't just sit back and pray, God bless me, and expect a boatload of money to come in and fall on you like the lottery. And if you look at the people that win the lottery, most of their lives are destroyed in three to five years. It's just, just destroyed. Money's gone, and they're worse than they were before. So another one, Proverbs 14, 23. Prosperity comes from hard work, but talking too much leads to great scarcity. I think I might have a different version on there, but it's saying the same thing. Talking too much isn't going to get you prosperous. It's going to come from hard work, okay? These are all principles. We can't take the first uh, three or four that I read that talk about how God desires to prosper you and all these things, abundant prosperity, and not factor in the other verses that talk about how God's going to do that. We have to partner with that. Amen? All those verses come, come together as true. They're all equally true. You can't be lazy and expect God to just bless you, to, and it doesn't work that way. So um, uh, God has laws of prosperity set in place. There's things we need to do in order to walk in those blessings. Okay? Now you're like, Wait a minute, Pastor, are you talking about works? I'm talking about works, but I'm not talking about works for earning. I'm talking about works for cooperation. Okay, God is against works for earning, but he's not against your effort. It's going to take effort, but you can't earn. Okay? Uh, God, our obedience is directly connected with our faith, and we don't receive anything from God without faith. So if God tells you to do something and we do it, then we know you truly believe it, right? That's called obedience. But if God tells you to do something and you don't do it, that's called disobedience, and that's going to also have a direct impact on your prosperity or not, won't it? Not just with finance, but every area of your life. If God tells you to do something, you don't do it, it's going to have some kind of impact on your life. Will it not? I think it will. 
So um, our disobedience is a factor in our prosperity also in every way. So I'm, when I'm talking about uh, things we do and we, we need to prosper, I'm talking about positioning yourself in a place under the waterfall, if you will, of God's blessing by cooperating with what he asks you to do. And when you do those things, the, 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 all the ducks are in a row, whatever you want to say it, is in, in line for you to receive these blessings from God. So um, let me show you this. I got this umbrella here. So I have this umbrella. I know people think it's bad luck to open an umbrella in church. Well, there's what I say to that. <laughs> I, don't believe in, I don't believe in bad luck. That's just witchcraft and weird stuff. Anyway, so I opened it in the, in the church, okay? So if I'm, if I'm obeying God, I'm under the waterfall of his blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in fellowship with him. I'm doing what he's asked me to do. I'm under this umbrella, and the, the blessings of the Lord are coming upon my life, on my family, affecting me in every way. Out here, it's still raining. It's still other things are going on out here around me. There's still darkness and bad stuff happening. But I'm under the waterfall of his blessing. If I keep doing what he asked me to do, I'm going to stay here. When I choose not to, I get out from under this umbrella. I need a longer arm. Uh, Mary Poppins or something, and I need a longer, um, you got to start that blessing, there's other things that can happen to you. There's other bad things that can happen. Is it God's will for me to walk outside of that umbrella blessing? Is it? No, but because he gave you a free will, he allows it. If he didn't give you the free will, you'd be a robot, and that doesn't work that way. But if you want to walk in his blessings, we have to do what he asks us to do, amen? Okay, so um, God's way is the best way, my way is the messy way. So I think it just isn't going to work. You know, the Bible talks about there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You might be the smartest guy on the planet, but you're dumb compared to God. <laughs> I'm just saying. Everybody, right? Einstein was an idiot compared to God. Are you okay? All right. So uh, this same God who wants us to prosper also wants us to work hard. He wants us not to be lazy. And he, this same God also wants us to tithe. You're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Okay, now I want you to know this, this tithing and giving didn't come, from, uh, didn't come from a greedy preacher. It didn't come from a greedy uh, prosperity preacher on TV or someone that you like or don't like. It didn't come from that. It comes from the Word of God. So whether if they've misused it or they haven't, that's for God to judge, not me. Uh, but it's still God's will for you to tithe. And if you are not tithing, you are robbing God. You're stealing from God. Okay, I'm going to show you this in the Bible. Because um, tithing is a factor in our prosperity. I'm not telling you this because we need our tithes and offerings to go up. They're always more is always good. Praise God. But but church is doing fine. But I want you to prosper. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be, get strongholds of poverty and things like broken off your family lines. I want you to not be afraid to to expand in your family and have some people won't have another kid because they're afraid to think they can't afford it. Well, did you factor God in this equation? Did you ask God how he feels about that? Did you ask God if there'll be enough at the end of the tunnel, at the end of the rainbow? The pot of gold will be there. Be there? All right? I mean, we can let fear of lack really dictate how we live. And God does not want you to be your life be dictated by fear of anything. Amen? So let's see what Malachi has to say about this. Malachi 6. For I am the Lord and I do not change. I used to use that verse with Holly when it was time to change diapers. <laughs> I'm like the Lord, and I do not change. But uh, I still had to change some. But anyway, uh, therefore, you are not consumed. I think this is kind of like God saying, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, I'm not going to kill you. Even though you guys are driving me crazy, I'm not going to kill you. It says, yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, 
and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? And then he's, and God says back to him, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So we've robbed him by keeping back our tithes and keeping back our offerings. It says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, not 5% of it, not 2% of it, all the tithe in the storehouse, the storehouse is the local church, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, who, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there is not room enough for you to receive it. There's a, you're, there's a blessing to your obedience. Now, I'm not telling you to give, to get, because that's perversion. We're giving out of obedience. We're giving out of our love and thankfulness to God. But at the same time, we're expecting in our hearts, like, thank you, God. I can't outgive God. I can't outgive God. And God says he's going to bless me. Verse 11. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So there's a lot to go over in those verses. I'm not going to cover them all. But first thing, God, the Lord, says, I am the Lord, I do not change. He doesn't change. If it, it, in tithing, it doesn't change. I'm going to show you it's not an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. thing. It's a covenant thing. It's a covenant thing, okay? Um, in verse 7, it says, The people have gone away from his ordinances. What ordinances have they gone away from? Tithes and offering, right? Now, ordinance is not a word we frequently use. We hear it once in a while, but it's not one I usually use. So I'll give you a definition. It's an authoritative decree or, or direction and order. So you've gone away from my orders. You've gone away from my decrees. Uh, another definition is a law set forth by governmental authority. Example, a city might say a city ordinance could be forbids construction work to begin before 8 a.m. That's a, a law in, the, in, the, in the city, some cities. Uh, something ordained or decreed by fate or by deity. So tithing is an, is an order. It's a law. It's an ordained decree by God. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Jeez, I'm really glad we already took the offering because I'm really, I'm really not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. And God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. He really is. He's trying to get something. He's trying to get fear from you. He's trying to get lack from you. He's trying to get lack of trust from you. He's trying to get, you know, uh, greed and self-centeredness from you. He's trying to release abundance to you. Okay? You can't outgive God. Robert Morris, you guys remember we did the Robert Morris series that Wally used to bring the DVDs for, and they're really good. Had a teaching on the, the blessed life. Really good. And he said that in his study, he found that the word ordinances means a principle of ordinary behavior. Then he went on to say, tithing is a principle of ordinary behavior for God's children to thank God for their harvest or for their income. It's a way of thanking God. And it's not just that. I mean, it, that is that, but it's not just that. When we give to God, he still gives back to us. It's amazing to me. I, sometimes I just go to Holly, I can't believe it. All we have to do is do what God says, and he blesses us. It doesn't seem fair. Like, it doesn't seem right. Like, I'm like I like it, but it, doesn't, like, it seems like there should be more to it. But he's a good father, and he's generous. And he just, listen, son, you don't have to understand everything, but you understand this. I'll take care of you. I will take care of you. All right? So um, some points I want to share with you on tithing. Tithing is a test of your heart. Every time you write that check, every time you write that amount down, it's a test to your heart. This morning, Holly and I wrote the, the largest tithe that we've ever had. 
this morning because we made the most money this month than we ever have. It was really awesome. For the first time and since we had kids, I don't have, we don't have to have uh, Medicaid or Medicaid, uh, Medicare anymore, uh, whatever one it is, one's for kids. <laughs> we don't have to have that anymore because God's prospered us. It's taken some time. It's taken quite a bit of time. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. But Holly got a new job, was, got a raise, and then she got paid from her last job uh, this month, too. So she got two checks this month. I'm like, that's nice. And so we had to get our biggest tithe check this morning. And you know what? I'm super excited about it. I'm not thinking like, oh, no, it's right here. Maybe I should take this back. And, well, that's not mine. But <laughs> put, it, <laughs> put it in my pocket. You know, it's not that. You, I mean, it's funny how we can be fearful to give before we give. And then after we give, we can, we can have grief like, oh, no, should I have done that? Or, oh, no. And God doesn't want that for us. I'll tell you a funny story about the offering plate years ago when I was like first, second grade. Uh, my dad was a pastor as well, and uh, I said to mom, what do they do with all that money up there in those plates anyway? And I go, well, some goes to your dad and our family. Some goes to pay the church bills and missionaries and stuff like that. I said, oh, so, so all I heard was, that's dad's? Like, yeah, so after the service, I was up there, and I was like <laughs> shoving it all in my pockets <laughs> like that. And one of the elders and deacons saw me come up and grab me, what are you doing, boy? And uh, anyway, I'm like, mom said this money was ours. And mom's like, that is not what I said. <laughs> anyway... Um, you, if mom, you're watching, you probably remember that. That was funny for me, probably embarrassing for you. But every time we tithe, it is a, it's a test to our heart. I mean, it, whether you've been doing it for first time ever or if you've been doing it for 20, 30 years, it's still a test. Am I going to trust God to give this money to the Lord? Okay? And the word 10 has a, has a close connection in the Bible with testing. He's tested you. Okay? If you remember how many plagues were in Egypt? How many? Come on, you guys read your Bible or what? Come on. How many? Ten. Come on, let me hear you back. Let these guys make them think there's a really full house here this morning. How many were in? How many? Thank you. How many commandments are there? Ten. All right. How many times did God test Israel? Now, you might not know this, but there's kind of been a pattern here. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's ten. You're right. You guys really studied your Bible. We want to know that's in Numbers 14. Um, how many times was Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Yes. How many days was Daniel tested? All right. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. How many days of testing are, are mentioned in the book of Revelation? Yeah, it's ten. I know. There's a pattern there. So, you see, tithing is a test. Every time you've got to decide, am I going to hold on to the hundred, or am I going to trust God with the ninety? And can God make the ninety do more than the hundred? Now, I know mathematically it doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, God would do more with the ninety than you could ever do with your hundred. I'm telling you, He will. So every time you tithe, you're going to be, do I really trust God? Is God's word true? Is God really going to provide for my family? Will the 90% be enough? And I'm telling you, you cannot live with fear of lack as your, as your God. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He will supply, okay? You just need to do your part. So the cool thing in this, God said that we can also test him. It's a test for us to give, but we can also test him. It's the only place in the Bible where it says we can test God in this. So you're like, well, I don't know if this will work. Well, I guess God gave you written permission to test him. Try it out. Check it out. See what happens. Just write it down that month. Say you gave your first tithe in September. Watch if your money doesn't, that, that month, be more than it was before or more than the next month or something. Something happens that's different than the month before. If you check it, if you just think it was a coincidence, it's not. Just have me one left thing on sale at this rate. This happened to be this thing just happened to be in stock that was out everywhere else. Or this never happens for anyone else. I don't know why it's happening for you. Well, those things become common to the Christians that give and tithe. 
I can't remember how many times I've heard stuff like that. I can't believe we've only got one left. It's your lucky day. I'm like, no, it's not my lucky day. I'm a, I don't say it to them. I don't want to brag, but I'm blessed. It's not luck. It's a, it's a blessing from God, and it's not earned. But when you walk in this way under the umbrella of blessings, things, good things happen in your life. And you can expect it. Amen? Look at what he says in Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this. There's a try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven for you. Okay? Open for you. Individually. You need to take it for you. All right, the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing for you, there's not room enough to receive it. That's why churches have so many yard sales. You've been so blessed, you've got to get rid of some of your old junk to get rid of the new junk you want to buy, right? <laughs> right? But uh, the King James used the word try there. The, I mean, New King James used the word try. King James used the word prove. And the English Standard ver- Version uses the word test. You can test God in this, and he's not offended. He knows money's challenging. He knows there's many ways for you to lose money, like a fool and his money is soon parted. There's many ways to lose it. There's many ways to hoard it and hold on to it and thinking you're going to keep it. It won't work that way either, okay? Tithing is a test of your heart, but you're also allowed to test God. Will he be faithful in your life with the 90 and, on, and more than that, amen? Now, I want to just ask this question. It's not my notes. For those that have been tithing for more than 10 years, 15 years, is God faithful to provide for your life? Did he make the 90% go further than the 100? Yes. Did, he pour, did he give increase in blessings and things that you needed when you needed them? Yes. I remember having a conversation with Dale uh, when they first were married. I think you remember, remember you were saying, or maybe it was before you were married, you weren't tithing. And his, he was having some financial trouble. And this older man, remember this, the older man uh, sat down there, son, are you tithing? He's like, well, that's your problem right there. And then Dale started tithing and everything changed. I'm telling you, there's, when you walk under the umbrella of God's blessing, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. But you still got to work hard and not be lazy. And those other things, they're all factors. But tithing is also a factor. It's definitely a factor. If, you can't, if God can't trust you with money, it says, how can he trust you with true riches? Which is people. Spiritual gifts and things like that. All right, number two, tithing is biblical. The number one reason I hear people say for not tithing is this Old Testament principle or it's under the law. Usually those people are just cheap. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, really. I mean, they're just cheap. I'm like, did you read the Bible? Because that's really not what it says. Uh, the first time we see the word, I mean, I, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I mean, first time I started tithing, I, I, I struggled to do it. I did. I mean, I had, I had eight, my tithe was $80. And we were married. Holly went to um, France for a trip to so graduate on time in college. And I had 80 bucks left to our name. And my tithe was 80 bucks, and I owed her teacher 80 bucks. I'm like, how do I do this? And uh, I decided to keep it. I'm going to give it to this teacher because I owed her $80. I like, this is math, right? That's what I was focused on. I get to the airport, pick up Holly, and she had $80 left over, which is another miracle. She had $80 left over from going to France, and she was able to pay her teacher the 80. I still had the 80 for the tithe, and we, we gave, ended up getting the tithe a little late, but we still gave it. But your heart will be tested in it. I'm telling you, God will be faithful. The, the first time the word tithe is mentioned is in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. That's where uh, Abram, before his name was changed, goes out and rescues Lot and his family, brings them back. They have this huge spoils to come back. And here comes Melchizedek, who's a type and shadow of Christ, or it's actually Christ himself. And he comes back, and he blesses Abram. And what does he do? He gave him a tenth of all the spoils. He gave it to him. Okay? Now, you definitely can see there, uh, we see Jesus, 
and we see the tithe connected there. You see that? Now, uh, if you, something else is in this. If you look at Genesis 14, 18, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. So now we see Jesus. We see a type and shadow of communion, which is our covenant. It's our uh, holy covenant, holy uh, seal of our covenant of grace. And we, we see uh, the tithe all together. Jesus, the covenant, and tithe all together in these few verses. God wants us to tithe. Okay, now this happened 500 years before the law was even given. They say, oh, it's under the law. No, it was before the law was even a thought. It was 500 years before the law. Okay, then we have the next one, Genesis 28, 22. It says, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. This is Jacob at Bethel. He's laying on the rock. Remember for his pillow, he has this vision of angels going up and going down. He has this encounter with God. He goes, God is in this place. I didn't even know it. And he called it Bethel. Okay? And, uh, and he said, I'll give you a tenth of everything. You, because of that encounter with God, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything you bless me with. He heard that somewhere, probably from his father. All right? That was 400 years before the law. In Leviticus 27.30, this is with the law. And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord's, to the Lord. So he said, all, your, all the fruit of your land, all your increase, all your stuff, that belongs to God. That 10% is God's. That's why he said, Malachi, if you keep what belongs to God, you are robbing from him. And really, you're robbing from yourself. Because he's not wanting because he needs money. I don't think God needs money. He's walk, they're walking on gold up there, right? He wants it for your sake. Amen? He wants to devour, rebuked for your sake, not his sake. So you might think, okay, pastor, that's good and fine, but you just showed me three examples, but they're all from the Old Testament. Show me something from the New Testament. Well, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to show you. Matthew 23, 23. You have that one on the screen? Matthew 23, 23. No, the next, yeah, the next one. There we go. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tithe, a tenth. Of your spices, a mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Okay, what is the latter? Okay, you should practice the latter without neglecting the former. All right, one of them is tithing. It's the former or the latter. One of them is tithing, right? <laughs> All right, okay. So uh, he's saying... You should tithe, but don't forget justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Guys, Jesus said that. If you open your Bible, that will be in red, if that helps you. Okay? All right. One more thing. Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. When you give in a church, we got ushers that come, and they pass the plates, and you, you, you pass them, and you, you, wonder, you might wonder, now, what are they going to do with my money? <laughs> it's not your money. It's God's money. That really helped you to get that out of your head. Because it really, it, I, I, I remember a guy in Virginia. I was, good thing I wasn't his pastor, but <laughs> I was just a church administrator. But I had some strong words for the guy because he was so cheap. And uh, he, he wouldn't tithe. And he had lots of plenty of money, but he just wouldn't tithe. I said, I said, how come you won't give? I did the book, so I knew. And we were just having a private conversation. And uh, he goes, well, I do give. I give to missionaries. I give to stuff like that. But how come you won't tithe the local church? He goes, well, I don't think I have to. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want to? You come here every week. You're getting fed. You're just going to go with, like a freeloader and come every week and not, not do your part and share and help there to be food in the house. And uh, 
he didn't like that. But <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but he, he had, his argument was, that, um, I said, well, don't you trust the elders that do what they should with the money? He goes, no, I don't. I said, well, you probably need to go to a different church then. If you can't trust the pastor and the leaders to handle money, then how can you trust them with your life? How can you trust them with true riches? You can't even trust them with a few bucks. Are you okay? I mean, we're, I, I'm still friends with that guy today. We're having, it, was a, just a, it was a conversation, but I was just telling the way it is. Like, you have to trust God with your life. And when you give the money, you're not in control of the money. I was in another meeting, same church, and uh, this meeting got a little ugly real fast. Sometimes it does with money. And uh, we were having this, we were having this um, conference coming up, and I was in charge of organizing it. And I, Pastor Jeff let me in charge of who gets to, uh, if we're going to charge or not, and things like that. So we got in the meeting. This guy was big and angry and had money. He thought he had influence. And he started pounding the table. I want to know who decided to start charging money for this conference. And he, he wanted to know because he wanted to be the pastor because he was mad at the pastor for other things, and he was trying to build up a case against him and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I said I did. And the reason I did is because our money's getting low, and I was trying to make sure things are going to balance out in the end. But if you guys as a group want to change it, he gave me power to change it. We can cancel it. We can do it differently. It's okay. But he got so furious and started talking about giving and tithing and really pounding the table. I said, you know what? I said, your tithe, your offering is not a membership to the YMCA. Okay. It's not, a, it's not a, a gym membership here that you just can, you paid your dues, so you get to come in and just do whatever you want and be the boss and charge stuff. When you give your money, you're giving it to God, and Jesus receives those tithes. We're, you're giving it to human people that you can trust or not trust. If you don't trust them with this, you shouldn't come here. Like, it really, if you can't trust us to do godly stuff with this, then, I mean, really, if we can't be trusted with that, how can you trust it to preach the truth? Can you put that back up there again for a second? But when you give, you're giving it to the Lord. Chris, can you put that back up? Oh, thanks. Um, a mortal man here receive the tithes, but there in heaven, Jesus receives your tithes. You know, Jesus watched the offering in the Bible, didn't he? He watched the widow put those two mites in there. He watched people put all their money in there. He said she gave the most. He was watching, and he's still watching, and he still receives our tithes. They're holy unto him. They're, they're a sweet fragrance to him, okay? All right, last one. Tithing is a blessing. The number two reason I hear people say that they don't tithe is because they can't afford it. And I say, I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to. Malachi 3.9 says you're under a curse because you've robbed God. I don't want to be under a curse. And then uh, verse, uh, let's see, I think it's 11, said that he's going to rebuke the devourer. So one, I wanted to rebuke the devourer. And two, I don't want to be under a curse. You say, come on, pastor. The Bible says I'm redeemed for the curse of the law. Yeah, you are. You are redeemed, but the ground has not been redeemed. And money comes from the ground. Whether it's paper or gold, silver, whatever, it comes from the ground. And the ground has not been redeemed. And so we give the first part is holy, the last part is holy. When you give the tithe, your money becomes holy and becomes able to stretch and grow and do more with the 90 than you ever could with the 100. Okay? So um, I tell them I can't afford not to tithe. So God is saying, give your tithe so to be food in my house. What is he saying? He said, you take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. You take care of my, make sure there's food in my house, I'll make sure you have food in your house. Amen? So, um, again, I didn't make this stuff up. A greedy TV preacher didn't make this stuff up. God himself instituted giving and tithing for our sakes. Amen? So God did not create for, for his sake, he created for our sakes. Pastor Robert Morris, again, he said, giving more than any other activity a Christian does Work selfishness and greed out of our lives. Do you think we need that worked out of our lives? I would say, yeah. I mean, I was selfish and greedy since I was born. 
<laughs> You're born that way. That's mine. You know, we're not good with sharing. And uh, but God wants that stuff out of our lives. Amen. So does God want you blessed? Yes. yes. Is it God's will for you to be blessed? All right. But we need to cooperate with those other verses that put us in a position to receive that blessing. Like our soul prosperity. That's important to God. Our, our confession. That's important to God. Our obedience. Hard work versus laziness. That's all important. And tithing. All those things are all important for the blessing to flow in your life. And it won't just affect you. It's your children's children. Amen. You can be a blessing. So there's probably other factors involved in, the, in there, but you get the point. There's things we need to do to cooperate with God's blessing. I'm not saying you're all going to be millionaires, but I'm all, I am saying that God's going to bring increase to your life. Whether you get $5 now and it's $10 tomorrow, whatever it is, He's the God of all increase. If you'll obey Him and trust Him, He will command the blessing in your life because He delights in the prosperity of His servants. Amen? Guys, if we can't trust God with money, how can we trust Him with eternal life in heaven? Right? It's just money. You're not going to take it with you. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray blessing on you guys today. If you've never given a tithe before of your money, um, the tithe does go to the local storehouse. Offerings go to missionaries and other places like that. I want to challenge you to Put God to the test. Will he be faithful to you? We heard other testimonies in the room. You heard them saying, yes, he was faithful to me. He provided for me. These things worked out. But will he do it for you? That's a question only you will answer if you step out and you try and test God in this. He gave you an open invitation to do so. Do you have financial lack? Are you tithing? I would, I would mean, I would check that. There's other things to check too. But I would check there. Are you tithing? Do you trust God with your money? Amen. See, if you haven't, you don't have to do it today. <laughs> I'm not going to read past the plates, don't worry. But I want to challenge you to pray about it and ask God. This, this word could be the, the word that sets you on the path for prosperity for you and for your children and rebukes the devourer, cancels the curse, and puts you under the, the, the umbrella of God's blessing for your family. Is that a big deal? I'd say it's a very big deal. Amen. So God, I pray you give us bravery and courage to tithe and give to help us, God, not to be greedy or selfish or stingy, but to be generous, not foolish, but generous. Yes. To honor you, God, give unto the Lord, not under compulsion uh, or uh, out of pressure, but given unto the Lord. And uh, I just pray, God, that the curse would be broken. If there's people that are tithing, they haven't seen that curse broken, God, we just command the curse to be broken. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the waterfall of God's blessing to come on your people. And they would see increase. Increase in how they think. Increase with creative ideas, ingenuity, uh, business plans and ideas, uh, creation of uh, inventions and things. Just the blessing of the Lord. I pray the blessing of the Lord would touch their children in their marriage and their home. Yes, Lord, I pray for supernatural debt cancellation in homes. And more than anything, God, I pray for wisdom, extreme great wisdom to know how to balance these things with your wisdom, God. So, Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for your truth. And thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen.